Hello Internet Land. My name is Andrew. I'm the writer of the Singled Out blog, and this is going to be a regular podcast whenever I get around to it on Gilbert. Today I've talked to Jamie Perkins, who is the um, lead playtester for Steamforged, and he was kind enough to talk to me about Hammer and how his stats changed over time, and finally, importantly, telling us his final stats and how he fits into the game. Anyway, uh, nothing enough of me talking. Time to get on with the show. Thank you. Hello Jamie, how are you? I'm no good, thanks. How are you, dude? I'm good, I'm good. Right, we're um, here to talk about Hammer then. Yes, yes. Brilliant. Um, I've got some questions about him. Um, first of all, um, obviously you designed um, a lot of the guilds at the same time. Um, so, out of the gate from sort of season one, what? Uh, how do you think the Masons are sort of positioned in the game? Um, we was we, we kind of tend to say that the Masons are on the sort of the centre line of the scale. Um, it's what we most famously say anyway. Is that we say if you imagine the butchers and the sort of the brewers at the fighty end of the spectrum, um, and if you imagine the fishermen and possibly the engineers with with uh, Penvice at the other end of the spectrum of sort of the most footbally, Masons kind of sit nicely in the middle, and that that uh, they can kind of do whatever they want to do. And what's nice about the Masons in particular is that they have the best ability to sort of flip between the two styles um, mid turn possibly better than other other guilds I suppose or they have an easier access to an ability to do that than other guilds so did you find that um, after uh, it was it, season one launched they sort of held held true to that I mean did you find that they sort of fulfilled that idea I believe so. I mean, uh, the Masons kind of have their own weaknesses as well, but as, as every guild does, I mean, they have a particular problem in that, that, that their armour, their quite high armour doesn't help them against ranged character players, for instance. Uh, that doesn't necessarily change where they are on that spectrum of, of the sort of the combat versus the football aspects of the game. Um, we still find that that's holding true, yes, and uh, and I certainly believe, I mean, I know obviously about what's coming, but I certainly believe <laughs> that the I certainly believe that the releases that are coming forward in Season 2 are, are certainly going to hold true to that ideal, and uh, as we're going to be discussing uh, as, as the example of Hammer and how the Hammer was developed, he was certainly developed, um, certainly more so towards the end of his progression as well. That he wanted to really um, trying not to use any puns here, which was really trying to <laughs> to push home um, that aspect of the Masons in that they can really sort of be very tactically flexible on a, on a moment's notice. Yeah, because I mean, that's the thing about honor, isn't it? Really, because ultimately, when you have if you have a choice between hammer um, and honor, obviously, if you choose hammer instead, you'll be giving you'll be giving up. You know her ability to be really flexible and you know give out more than one activation a turn and everything else because they're powerful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess in, in return you have something else, which of course is um, what we're looking at. So um, when you get when you Kate went to design um, your second captain, uh, presumably you didn't design them both at the same time. Presumably you designed Hammer after Honor launched. 
Is that right? Or? Yeah, so none of the, to my knowledge at least anyway, and it's something as well just to be clear on this as well, is that I don't uh, get to play a huge amount of part in the initial concept for the models. Um, so that's certainly Matt and Locks that sort of come up with the original design of a model, um, which in this case they would come up with Hammer. Loxon would write the very first incarnation of that model, which then gets handed to me and the playtesters, and we will then develop that model. Okay, so you're, you're, you're handed sort of a sort of a proto version of it, and then you sort of you bash it out and make sure it works. Exactly. Yeah. So we get to do elements of design where perhaps a model isn't working as we wanted it to, or we need to change how a model is even designed in the first place. And Matt Hart often talks about his sort of design merry-go-round or design roundabout, where um, models are not necessarily going from one stage to the next stage. You're kind of actually going around in a constant loop. Sometimes a model isn't working, uh, or sometimes a model isn't working as designed, so we have to design new rules for that model. But sometimes the rules for a model are working correctly, but it's just not working as the original sort of design intent of the model and in that point it has to go back to Matt and we go is this the case you know the, the design you asked for isn't working properly or it isn't working in a fun manner so we need to send it back to you to have a, a brand new concept for this miniature um, so they'll, they'll actually go round and round and round until they're ready and then they'll sort of come off the roundabout if that makes sense it's a very difficult sort of yeah thing. yeah so well- I guess, uh, I guess it's more sort of organic, isn't it, in real life, really? Yeah, it really is. They, they can really go... I mean, depending on what the issue with the model is, if there are any... Well, if there's, often our issues with models in, in playtesting. That's why you playtest things. But depending on what the issue with a given model is, is, is it will be sent back to a certain you know, part of that team for an area of, of fixing or redesign. Um, and, yeah, that's why we, we all kind of do work together and, 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 and trying to get the every aspect of a miniature correct. Hammer's a particularly good example because there are times when we could get the balance of him correct. We could get the rules on him to work properly, but then he wouldn't be fun. And obviously, this is a game at the end of the day. It needs to be, needs to be fun. So uh, a lot of his redesign was around the fact that we, he was working properly. He was even balanced, actually. It, it was just he wasn't really that fun to play with or against. And those are the areas where Hammer was, was needing to be redesigned. But there were other models that were, that were fun that possibly weren't powerful enough or the mechanics on them were very difficult to write. And, as I say. So they go back to different members of the team depending on what needs to be changed. So what was Hammer's um, original um, intent then? What was the original idea behind him? So, um, so all of the Season 2 captains, um, they're trying to be um, an opposite <coughs> of, of what their Season 1 captain was. So you, this is very obvious in Corsair and, and Shark. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, you can see that they are they're very they achieve very similar things for the fishermen uh, in that they are obviously very football centric but they do them in completely different ways so when this came to hammer we sort of go well how can you how can you be tactically flexible with the masons you can take it one of two ways and the first way we try to take it is that he would be a complete inversion of of, of honor and that the team the hammer the, the original idea for hammer was that he wouldn't really support the team at all team would support him in being a better individual model, almost in the same sense as Midas, in that his team kind of support him as an individual. Sort of selfish model, basically. Yeah, so when you actually get your hands on the rule, the season two rule book, you know every model has their own little sub blurb, where so you have yeah. Gutter the Broken, those kind of things. Hammer's is at, Hammer is the superstar. <laughs> yeah. So the original concept for Hammer is that they actually help him to be the best player. So that's why, you, you know, in that version, I think the first one I sent you is version 1.3 of Hammer, where yeah, you can right, yeah. see that all of the stuff there is it's all about hammer himself for that i mean even that heroic there is the thing that it, it, it kind of is the biggest part of his, his game now in his current incarnation is is actually it's all geared towards making his personal effect on the field just pushed over to the you know clocked up to 11 um 
and we did it in a different mechanic as well. I mean, are you going to be? Do you want me to explain as we're going through, or uh, are you going to explain? Well, you, 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 can start, you can start now. You know, you're, you're the boss. So that's cool. That's cool. So, so on one point three, you can see there that I've sent you uh, version one point three of his rules. Is that uh, got this? One of the things that we will take the mick out of Loxham for irreverently, by the way, is he has a terrible knack. He has a knack for giving abilities terrible names. Selfish Legs, for instance, <laughs> which is now called Punishing March. Selfish yeah. Legs is one that we constantly refer to as one of the worst names for an ability he's ever come up with. <laughs> um, but but it, it kind of just does what it says on the tin. So it says, target-friendly model suffers two damage, and this model, meaning Hammer, would gain plus two, plus two move. So the downside of that is that, that whatever model you target takes uh, takes an amount of damage so that he can gain a buff, and it also costed him influence at the time as well. It's quite expensive then, isn't it? Very it expensive. was quite it was a really because you're kind of using, you're kind of saying that that's a cost two ability because your damage has also got to be is kind of like pseudo influence now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, one of the problems there that you'll notice is that those were just too highly costed at the start. I mean, uh, we, are, we we tried to keep hold of that of, of trying to pay for things through damage, but adding an influence cost to them uh, was just making his abilities too expensive to begin with. Um, at the same time, uh, problems with Hammer in this version were that he was when he did get into somebody, he was just causing so much damage it was unbelievable and he was almost unkillable as well because he had the tough hide and the regenerate as well and and tack 8 as well tack tack yeah it's effectively tack 8 um, influence 5-5 five, five, uh, and as well he got that breaking point so this is a version of breaking point that never saw that obviously he's never going to see um this version of Breaking Point isn't what went, isn't what went to print. Uh, yeah, Tag so, 10 the free charge is pretty serious. It is very serious. It's also the cost of it as well. It's a heroic player that hasn't just got an MP cost. You're taking out a friendly model. So you're t- you're saying this model of mine is going to be killed at the end of the turn, taken out at the end of the turn. I'm getting a buff, a massive buff for it now, but I'm knowing that one of my guys is going to He's going to be taken. He's going to be taken out for it, and that's just a when you try and wrap your head around the fact that not only is he damaging his own, his own models, he's actually playing with a model down. Every yeah, turn. that's pretty serious. It's, it's it's immensely serious, and it really changes the way that you you approach the game. Going actually, this is this is weird. I'm kind of I'm not only am I taking influence away from my friendly models and making Hammer do all the cool stuff. I'm actually I'm actually killing them, and this is really really a weird thing for people to get your head around. Some people actually didn't like that at all as well. That that, that this was such a perversion of, of where the Masons started. Where they yeah, were it's all, quite dark side, isn't it? Really, for Masons, very dark, very dark. Yeah. So this was this was perhaps a little bit too far down that spectrum of going the opposite way. So there were the, some of the problems with this model we can So he was just too he was too tough. He did too much damage, and it was just. A, it's quite dark as well. I mean, I think they wanted to try and hold on to that darkness, which is why we tried to make it work in a multiple different ways, as we'll see as we progress through the different PDFs. Um, as I say, this is where Hammer started, but he was quite a dark person to begin with. We actually, there's another point as well, um, is that we, he actually had a number of revisions in fluff as we were going along as well, but that perhaps the, the, the stuff that was written for him, the story was even just a little Less bit. horrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was, we even said what well, that, 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 that storyline is very dark and almost disturbing so he even had revisions there which which Matt Hart may or may not want to talk about someday one thing I've seen on this on, on some of the earlier versions which isn't on the, the, the final version is that he actually powers up a certain um, position on the pitch so or attacking midfielders get a bonus attack yeah so this That's was nice. uh, this was one that was kind of it was hard to explain this one it's um it didn't affect that many models it, it affected well, chis- chisel himself isn't it right, i think chisel yes uh, chisel and um something i will tell you about the the veteran is that it's, it is classed as an attacking midfielder so oh. it, would, it would have affected it would have affected two models in addition to hammer um 
so but um, but it, it didn't see it wasn't really enough it, it kind of almost wasn't worth printing because it's only affecting two models including hammer in later versions it doesn't even affect hammer in fact even in this version sorry i mean i'm being correct here it says other friendly models oh, it does, you're right, it does, so yes. it, it's literally only affecting those two other models um so it, it was kind of you only have so much space on a card for rules and you kind of want to make each of those rules really important so this this one kind of eventually dropped off because it just didn't feel like it was it was worth the space if that makes sense it's only affecting two models and only if you take them yeah although there's quite interesting design space you could do in the future i guess the fact that you can, yeah because ultimately the positions can make much of a difference so yeah it's, this is something that matt and lots want to do going forward is to start trying to make the, the playing positions a little bit more relevant and this is something that we've we've done in bits and pieces in season two and you'll see it you'll see it coming in more as guild ball gets older that's great okay so should we move on to um 1.7 then um yeah so I uh, see here his um, his damage is basically very similar, although he's got a three on four hits, which is a big difference. Um, and his, I think, the big difference is his plays change to make plays change quite a lot. Yeah. So as you, as I was saying before, we um, we realised the cost was far too high when you're having influence and uh, damage. So what we experimented with, uh, what we began to experiment with, is having these cost zero character plays, but your the cost you're paying for them in inverted commas is is the damage that you're putting on those friendly models. Um, so we've kind of taken that aspect of him and turned it a, a bit higher, just to just to see how it goes. Because um, this was quite early on, still in the playtest, so we were just sort of, still just sort of playing with new concepts. We knew that he was doing too much damage because he had access to too much influence. So we've lowered his influence stats there to 4-4. Four, four. But what we did to compensate for that is he said that three damage was coming there. We actually we, we increased the amount of damage he did per hit. But overall, he had less influence to play with. When it comes to... I mean, it might, might be hard to describe, but when it comes to putting things on playbooks like pushes and dodges and things, I mean, is that just sort of... Do you have a rule of thumb for that, or do you put them where you feel like appropriate? Um, to begin with, it's, it's it's quite a lot to do with feel, uh, and yeah. then, but you, you really with playbooks particularly, you have to really. You, there is amounts you, you can do with averages and statistics. So we'll often work off the four-one average, which is a defense of four and an armor of one, yeah. and you kind of try and work out what a model's average hits are going to be against the average defense value of, of most models in Guild Ball. But then you really just have to play the model a lot of times as well, because then you've got to take into account when they do charges against a charge and defensive stance model, and you're kind of looking at what the average hits they're going to be a lot of the time. So it starts off. It does start off with feel what kind of thing the model should have. If they're a model with a hammer, as, as hammer is, then they're going to have more pushes on the playbook sure, than, yeah. than dodges. So there is an amount there of what does this player feel like they should have. Um, but to, to begin with, it is quite feel, and then you'll sort of go, this doesn't quite, this doesn't quite feel right, or it's not quite right on the averages, and they will really get tweaked as they go along. We really do have really long discussions just on the placement of each individual result on a playbook. It's something that we spend quite a lot of time going into. Um, so, um, one point seven, yeah. So, um, th- so there he basically was very similar, except he got no zero cost on his abilities. Um, yeah, and lost... his play didn't give him free charges. Yes, and he's lost regenerate as well. We brought we brought down some of his resilience. I guess the, the thing about healing mechanics in the game that it's quite tight on healing, isn't it? So regeneration, yeah, a very powerful ability indeed, especially on a model that's not easy to kill. Yeah, so so Boar's got it because it's it's kind of easy to pile quite a lot of damage onto Boar, but, but and it's Hammer, zero, has, yeah, yeah, Hammer's three one with tough hide. He's really a tough big deal. He's, <laughs> he's, he's almost a brewer, in fact. He's basically a brewer in terms of yeah. That's, um, something else as well that was important here is that we noticed that when he was just taking out models uh, because of the way the takeout rules work they weren't being reduced to zero health so what the mason, a, a clever mason player could do is take a model that was in the wrong position on the board and he would actually just use it as a repositioning mechanic 
so that you could actually go, this player's out of position, I'm going to kill them, get a benefit, and then they're going to come back on with the Isis 1 draw at maximum health in a better position on the board than they were last turn. Sounds fair to me. Indeed. So, <laughs> so, uh, so what we've done there is we've said they're taken out and reduced to zero health. So you, it actually felt like it was doing a negative, a negative part of you because you're getting such a massive buff still. You're getting two extra influence and two attack. He's going to attack nine when he does this. Um, so we, we really felt like you had to, to lose something for gaining that benefit. Um, and yes, yeah, so this is just a small progression of hammer and, and along the way. So at the, this stage, sort of, how many games we do you sort of play with 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 sort of sort of proto models like this. I mean, what, how, how long ago were you sort of playtesting this? What you've got to remember uh, is that particularly this point in the Season 2 playtest, we had most of the 40 models for Season 2 in the playtest cycle. So a huge number then, huge number. It's, it's, it's a lot of models. So even though each model does get quite a number of games, it's not quite as many as you would perhaps expect. Although that is that said, we did have a, a number of playtest groups working on it. I think we were up to... to Three, four, five, six playtest groups at this point, I believe. Or it was five, and then we jumped to a sixth. That was it. We had we started with five, and then we jumped to a sixth in terms of playtest groups. And each one of those has between two and five members in it. Um, and they're all playing. They're, what we ask of our playtest groups is that you play. You have at least one playtest session, and you report back on that playtest session at least once every two weeks. Because people, at the end of the day, these are volunteers, and they've got they've got lives to live. But this yeah, playtest exactly. this playtest cycle did begin. I think it was last summer. So we've, had, we've had a good a good six or seven months to work on these models so there's, there's been quite a number of games played but not necessarily a high concentration of games that's a big difference between the season one and the season two playtest the season one playtest it actually only lasted four months um very short playtest time uh, but this one has had a much a considerably longer period of time but less games played in a sort of concentrated period and i guess also if you're testing more than one model at once it's, you know more than one season two model at once you know it can be hard to sort of focus on one model at, you know each time can't it yeah absolutely absolutely um you'll find about uh, hammer is, is why some of uh, the I gave you six files, and you'll notice the the I've given you more of the back end of the files because we started to focus down uh, as as we were signing off models. We would obviously have less and less and less models to work on. Yeah. So the revisions on particular models started happening more and more and more. So, yes, exactly. So uh, Hammer in particular was someone that had a, an incredible amount of focus on him in the last month or so of playtesting. So we're going to leap forward to three point zero then, um, yeah, and exactly. um, it's. Um, quite a change the influence has gone down again um, and he's still got the ability to damage his own side um, but his playbook is hugely different yeah so um, what we were noticing about there was a weird thing about concussion in that it, it can actually be a bit of a we talk about um a model that has to be fun, obviously. This is, again, we'll repeat at the end of the day, it's a game. So we need to make sure the models are fun. And concussion can be a rule that can be unfun for people if it's not. It, it really needs to be the ability that's very difficult to get. It can't be having really easy access to it. So if you're, if a model's sole purpose is to delete action points from the other player, that's not necessarily giving the other guy a fun experience. It's basically hard denial, isn't it, really, I guess? It is, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, um, it's fine for concussion to exist as long as it's not something that you can achieve every single activation that the model makes. Um... Hence why it's on the on the um, seventh hit now, rather than the sort of the fourth or fifth. Yes, yes. Again, we've actually because we've lowered again we've lowered his influence amount. We haven't lowered his maximum influence, but we've lowered the amount he's generating. That was partially because Honor herself only generates three, and it felt yeah, strange yeah. to give what is effectively a selfish captain more influence for the team. Um, so we brought him down to three. But we've also again tweaked up the amount of damage he does per hit. That's why his playbook here is, I believe, it's gone up in damage. I think it has anyway. Uh, quite a lot. He also, he also has a lot more knockdown as well. 
Yes, yes, yes. Uh, we've, we've got, got a we've found, it's, it's kind of strange that he's knocked down with so far up when he's obviously quite a blunt force object. <laughs> Giant hammer, yeah. Uh, when it comes to sort of deciding sort of um, base sizes in reach and stuff, is that more of a, sort of a style thing in terms of you know you're a big guy or a small guy or? No, it's a bit of it's a bit of a tie between two things. One, it does depend on what the model actually looks like, but what's more, it's it's more centralised around the balance of the model. Um, so we really felt that it wasn't going to be um, fair for Hammer to have a two-inch melee zone because we really wanted him to be someone that pumps out quite a large amount of damage per hit. So it's, if you want, he's kind of not a million miles away from Ox. Although there are quite, obviously, significant differences in how the two models play. If you were going to relate him to another captain, that's probably not a million miles away. Okay, so um, that's, um, that's um, three. So... Jump to 3.6, which I guess... Um... So um, he's lost his higher-up knockdown, but we've kept that sort of easy-ish access to knockdown. It's midway on his playbook. He's now what he's now been given what we refer to as a Brewer playbook, which is he's got a higher attack. He's got more attack than he has playbook columns. Oh, yes, it all about, so it suddenly becomes a rap, rap person again, isn't he? Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, and we're, we're still tweaking around with his heroic. We have a very big focus on his heroic at this point because we're, we're kind of okay-ish with this, but we're starting to ponder about whether this sort of dark playstyle for the Masons is the right way for them. And this is where we start to sort of doubt where, whether this was the right direction for Hammer to go in uh, because we we're really trying to make this sort of selfish playstyle work. And this is what I was talking about before about where the design intent isn't necessarily always on, it isn't necessarily always the great place to go. Because, I mean, and it's not Matt's fault at all because Matt might just think of a concept think this would be a really cool thing to play and then you actually end up getting on the table and going actually it's not it's not necessarily that fun it's not as fun as you first thought it was and that can happen sometimes that's just trial and error so this is the point at the playtest where we start to realise that, that we were not really enjoying games either with or against Hammer and it was kind of coming down to the way his character players worked where they were causing damage to friendly models he was kind of the star of the show I mean he's called the superstar fine but it was kind of the game was all about whether Hammer lived or died in the middle of the pitch and occasionally a goal was scored around him and we didn't really feel that was a positive way for the game to go so it's kind of an ultimate sort of super solo sort of running around but it's like well <laughs> it's a bit, yeah. bit, 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 bit boring or and while that's all well and good we could balance that it wasn't really the most interesting thing in the world it wasn't something you know you, you, there are things like that that kind of exist a little bit in Guildhall already and those are already the things that people don't necessarily say the most fun parts of. Um, so we were experimenting with different ways of making the heroic work here like we were giving him a plus one plus one to damage as well there which that really made him skyrocket that's huge <laughs> his, his, his damage per hit because he's also got Iron Fist as well so he's got the plus one damage from Iron Fist and then a plus one damage from his heroic he'd be doing an enormous amount of, in terms of positive changes um because things we were actually quite happy with is we felt that it, well, it was kind of strange that he didn't seem to have this much mobility on the field so we gave him knockback because that's some, an ability that already appears twice within the Masons and it was his yeah, ability yeah. to sort of work his way through the field potentially even give him a scoring opportunity because his kick stats are, you know, are perfectly reasonable also he, he's got stoic which is a new ability see yes yeah, so that's a brand new trait um, which we, which was actually, this was Matt's idea, and it was a good idea. We've ha- we have a lot of ignore firsts, and then we didn't have an ignore first for pushes. Um, <clears throat> so that isn't the final wording of Stoic, because it actually doesn't just work against playbook results, it works against any push that the model suffers. Um, but yeah, so that was actually supposed to make him more resilient to counterattacks, because he only has that one inch melee zone, he's going to be susceptible to counterattacks, counterattacks sorry, if he can't mo- knock the model down. So if they can't push away from him, it's one way in which the model cannot escape from him. Yeah, it's certainly, certainly a big deal. I play against a lot of brewers and stuff, and it can be a real issue for you. Yeah, certainly. Any other questions on this? Uh, no, that's grand, actually. So let's jump up to the next one, which is hopefully the same as yours, uh, 3.8. Um, so he's kept his brewer playbook, 
And this is where we start to see the, the more modern hammer emerging now, because we realized, as I was saying before, that we, we started to realize he was a bit of an unfun player, and we were trying to work out why that was. And people weren't necessarily liking the idea of damaging your own models, and because when you start playing that into an, another team that has an attrition focus, like the Butchers, for instance, you've got hammer that's going to go and cleave two players in, part, in half, but at some point hammer's going to go down, and then he's got this wounded team that just sort of falls over like leaves afterwards yeah. behind him. Yeah. And it, it wasn't necessarily balanced, and it also it was still not particularly fun. So we decided to go down this other route of uh, of, of trying to play with the team's influence. So at, at this point, he's got a brand. He we we didn't we, we binned off that heroic because we also decided that was not, that was a bit of a negative play experience, and just went for something very straightforward, something that we could just keep testing with him while we sort of focus on his character plays. So that legendary play there, just very basic, just gains extra four influence. He can still be a bit of a combat monster. And he's still sort of a little bit down the superstar route uh, of it's all about Hammer. But his, this is where his character players have started taking... So the, the concept was originally, and this is how it does work now, is that he has a character play that buffs himself, but he is paying for it with the influence of another model. So you're still having this idea of a selfish model, but you're achieving it in an entirely different way. You've got the, sort of the, the team's amount of resources in... The team's resources in influence, but you're still stealing it from another player's allocation, so you're not interrupting that allocation that Hammer has, which has also allowed him to keep his influence allocation quite lowish at four. We did realise that that four was too low, so it will eventually get bumped up. But that was the original concept. He's stealing influence from other players to buff himself. So he's actually kind of pseudo-spending more like six before he goes into someone. Yeah, so he's still very hungry, but not murdering everyone on your, on your own side at the same time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure. Uh, and this is where we sort of started to, to get a bit more of a positive reaction from, from Hammer. We realised that people were enjoying it more, so we thought, this is something we should explore more and we'll go down this route, rather than the previous corridor that we'd been going down of, 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 sort of, of causing damage to your own team. So that leads us, I guess, handily on to, I guess, the last version, isn't it? I guess, which is uh, 4. Yep, so 4 is, uh, this is the last version that, that well, this is the last playtest document. So from here, what we do is what was called a, a wording pass. So this, we're happy with the rules, we're happy with the balance. It now gets sent off to our, our um, proofreaders, and actually the Lawyers Guild gets to check over these cards as well, just to make sure that all the rules work as they're supposed to work. So, um, <clears throat> so... We've bumped his influence back up now. This is this is an interesting change actually because this goes even above honor. So he's actually got the very. Well, these are what we call generic captain stats of four six influence. So he doesn't have honors legendary, which is a, the reason why she's a three six rather than a four. Yeah, so we yeah. just allowed him to have the four. Gives the masons access to a thirteen influence possible team on the table um, nice. the first time. Um, and there wasn't really a reason for him to be down at three anymore because we've actually. We've, we've significantly lowered the amount of personal damage he does because he has a completely different... We, we binned off that legendary that we just saw a minute ago and we've given him the, the heroic that he now has, which has been... You have to use the name at some point on a model called Hammer. Hammer time. <laughs> so so the, we, we've still got those incarn- earlier incarnations of buffs on himself where he's spending influence off other friendly models to buff himself. One for plus two movement. One for plus one damage, and one for an extra kick skill, so an extra kick down. That, that one's new, isn't it, in this, in this version? It is, yeah. So we, we decided that we didn't really necessarily want concussion on the model. We'd much rather have had a, a different character play that follows this, that follows suit with this, and it, and it gels quite well with the heroic that I'll come on to in a minute. Um, but all three of these character plays work in that same way, and it means that Hammer can be this superstar if you want him to be, he can spend influence off other models and you've still sort of got this idea of a very selfish player if you want it. But his damage per hit has been lowered significantly because he doesn't have this legendary play that goes, I've got all the influence and tack in the world ever. Um, 
that said, this is where we've we kind of came to it just at the end. It was kind of the icing on the cake, really, of let's actually turn him back into what he was supposed to be, which is a Mason. So they're supposed to be this tactically flexible team. So let's give his entire team access to all of his character plays. And we do that with his heroic hammer time. Friendly guild models within the aura may use Punishing March, Iron Fist, and Bullhog as if they were character players on those models' cards. So they actually, all of your models that are within that aura, gain those three character plays, and they can all use them, which means... As soon as that heroic is up, for the rest of that turn, you have just gained an unparalleled level of taxable, ta- tactical flexibility. Because at any moment, your models can gain extra speed, extra damage out of nowhere, and it's they can just they can really react to any situation at any given moment. Now, I've got to say that 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 one heroic play does make him seem a lot more like a sort of person fit, fitting to the guild. Um, yeah, and yeah. The, the flexibility you gain from that is absolutely huge. Yeah, so I mean, and it also makes him feel. It doesn't, he doesn't feel as dark as he did before. He, and he actually feels a bit more... He still has a bit of a selfish aspect, because if you don't use the heroic, he's still taking an influence away from his other players. But what he's also saying, and this is where his fluff got adapted, so where he's actually pushing his other players that are a bit afraid of Hammer to play in the same selfish style that he does. Um, and that's reflected in his heroic there. By his sort of, he's meant to be sort of screaming at his team to, to make them perform harder. So... Um, them being able to play in it in, in that similar way that he does is, as I say, it's just it's 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 very masony, while sort of still kind of staying true to the initial design brief of Hammer. How, how about how about his kick stats? That that went down. So uh, well, his kick skill went down. His kick range actually went up. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, when we were talking to and we were doing these bits of redesign because Matt was quite heavily involved in the playtest at this stage because we were still having questions over his design intent. Um, and Matt was like, well, doesn't necessarily have to have just a damage-intensive focus. He's not a butcher. You know, he doesn't have to just be all about the fighting. And he's got knockback, so he has a pseudo-goal threat already because he can work his way through teams, particularly because he also has other push moves on his playbook. So he, yeah, can, he, yeah. he doesn't just have to do the direct-away push on knockback. He can actually angle the manner in which he's going to do those knockback movements. Yeah. So suddenly if you give him quite a long goal threat range, and he, not, he, he can do punishing march to sprint nine inches or charge nine inches. He has a kick range of eight, which instantaneously gives him a 17-inch goal threat. And then if you start doing a couple of knockback attacks, suddenly he gets into the sort of the mist area of, of yeah. goal threat, which is, which is very interesting, and it, it gives him a very different angle on his game. So, yeah. That's great. Um, so I think sort of he's changed an awful lot from someone who basically murders his own side to um, hopefully someone who just murders the, the um, well, their side, I guess, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and as I say, he's kind of he's coming around a very big circle of starting as a selfish player. We've kind of kept a little bit of that selfishness, but he is he's right at the end suddenly remembered who he is, which is amazing. And he's come back to that level of tactical flexibility that you all expect from a Mason team. He just does it in a completely different way to the way that Honor does it. I do get to play the other teams because I mean I I I, uh, I look after the playtesters, so I do get to do a number of playtest games myself. And whilst I have been focusing on the hunters, uh, I have had a number of games with Hammer, and he's actually been really fun to play with. Uh, just the just. I just like sitting there having the, it's really kind of strange actually because I like sitting there having got your hammer hammer time heroic up and then just going the options on the table at the moment are unbelievable the amount of things I can do I mean I might not necessarily achieve anything in the turn because I might just make the wrong decisions but the amount of things that I can do it's just very therapeutic to sit there and go I'm really enjoying this the, the amount it's kind of like a, a Chinese buffet of options you've got on the table almost in front of you the amount of things that's possible to do it's just quite kind of fun but I, I enjoy that level of tactical flexibility in a game so. yeah, it's almost worth giving influence to Brick just having him as a battery isn't it almost almost yeah good. Um, you could I don't know how good the idea that would be but um, who, who, who did you use him with um, 
it's very hard to leave Flint out of games. <laughs> and, Flint, <laughs> and Flint having access to a speed buff, he's just like, I, I love all you people. I will I will take the speed buff and I will be very happy for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I think but, I, I played a game last week without without Flint for the first time ever, and it didn't feel right. Didn't like it. Yeah, I, I can't tell you too much about the teams that I played with Hammer because I would say that he likes to play quite a lot with the, the veteran model that's going to be released ah, for the okay. races. So I can't. There's only so much I can say. No, of course, yeah, I, would, of I wouldn't say that they have particular rules that work together, but the way in which they the way in which they do both work works quite nicely together. Well, well, um, in, in a month's time, uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, you will. So, do you have any sort of? I mean, we've used Hammer as an example. We did focus in quite a lot on it, but do you, do you have any sort of a bit more wider questions on the process in general? I mean, we don't just have to talk about Hammer. We could talk no, about. Um, I mean, some, some of the questions I, I, I've, I've thought about have been asked before in other podcasts. So I don't want to go over things forever. Um, but um, certainly, looking at season one models, I mean, um, from sort of Mason's point of view, I think some models have seen less less table time than others. Um, do you, do you think some models need to be looked at again, or do you think it's just the game's changed, how you thought it would be played differently? Um, so there's a couple of things we are doing about that, because you're right, there are some models that don't see as much table time as we thought, and we've tried to tweak some of those. I mean, um, Catalyst uh, got quite a, a, a big buff in the uh, in the article. Well, ultimately, he's still, his playbook's all over the place. Yeah, for sure. So he's still not being played enough. So we obviously there haven't we have still haven't quite achieved what we want to achieve with Catalyst yet. So we are keeping an eye on those things, and there's a number of things that we're trying to do to solve that. So the, if if we really need to, then we can make a route of changes. Um, although we're trying to keep that to a minimum because people don't we don't necessarily think people enjoy having a game where you're making tweaks every other month. That's not a positive, healthy state. No, not not really. No. Yeah. So so um, what we have done is we've scheduled times into the future seasons of the game where we will actually review the entire game as a whole, all of the existing models, all of season one, all of season two, or whatever we have at that time, and go if there are any changes we need to make, we will make them at this moment so that we can spend that entire amount of time noting any changes down, playtesting any changes we would make, and then implementing them all at once as the season ticks over. So that will happen in the future, and that's one of the ways that we're going to do things. If there are any really big problems, things that we can't wait to solve, we will do them by errata. So there was, we've always got that get-out clause of we can change something if we really need to change but we would rather wait until the seasons tick over. That's our, that's our kind of inbuilt diary opportunity to do these big reviews if we need to. Cool. Uh, also, like, I mean, looking looking forward. Um, I mean, Hammer's, Hammer's amazing how he feels like a Mason, but obviously he's a very different sort of captain. Um, mm-hmm. I think the game will be really interesting uh, next year when we'll suddenly have you know three captains to choose from rather than two. So I think that will really change the way the game's played quite a lot. Um, yeah. I mean, do you, do you feel like um, there's going to be enough, enough design space for, for you know three, four captains in each guild? I don't know about three. Uh, sorry, I don't know about four. Sorry, but three I could certainly see happening, and that's kind of a that's kind of a question that's above me at the moment, and about how far we push the the um, the realms of each of each guild. Um, but I could definitely see three happening. I don't know if we'd be able to go beyond that. Although we do constantly review um, the limits that we could push on Guild Ball, and we we look for different ways in which we can healthily expand the game. So we've got some ideas for different ways in which we can do it, and we've actually planned all the way up until year five for the moment. Year five, um, really? Wow! Up until the fifth season, that's what we've got plans in place until season five, and then e- even in, within the next year or so, we'll start making plans for seasons after that. So we are looking into the future because we obviously know we want this game to be around for a while. 
hopefully. So, yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yes, it's it's something that because we've all come from a background of, of, of playing quite a lot of other of, of other war games, we've noted sure. we've noted things that have happened that companies have tried to deal with problems that have arisen retrospectively. And I talk about sort of the critical mass when a game hits a particular size; it can be difficult to expand it beyond that point. We 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 are. Um, mindful of the fact that that critical mass point exists for every game no game is immune to it even guild ball and we know that that we have to figure out what that point of critical mass is and be aware of things we need to do about it before it hits us yes i, th- I think i think unfortunately with with some games i think entropy is part of the game isn't it unfortunately yes yes so uh, all we're all we're doing is we're saying we accept that that is a thing that happens you know every game gets a little bit older and these things happen so we're, we're trying to put plans in place now to try and deal with that before it becomes an issue and I guess that goes into the idea of having having more guilds and sort of expanding sideways rather than sort of having more and more models for each guild. I guess having more guilds to choose from. Absolutely. Getting getting wider. So, um, well, what are you looking forward to the next next few months of the game? Uh, talking about hunters because <laughs> like being playing with them, playing genuinely having so much fun playing with them and being unable to tell anybody that isn't a playtester has been one of the most difficult things in my life. <laughs> um, so like when it comes to salute, I'm going to be happily just stood there going, please come and talk to me about the hunters because I want to tell you all about them. I've wanted to tell people about the hunters for months. They're really, really have been an absolute joy to playtest. Um, so yeah, I mean the, I'll, I'll put it this way. When I first played, when I first got to play the hunters, I was as giddy as I was when I first played my full-size game of Guild Ball. Wow. That's how giddy they made me, and I'm a seasoned player. So, so they, they, they changed the um, game sort of dynamic quite a lot, did they? Um, so I'm someone that loves tactical flexibility, and the hunters certainly offer a lot of tactical flexibility, and they offer, wouldn't necessarily say a brand new way to play the game, but they certainly offer a, a, lot, of, a lot of brand new options on the table, and lots of different ways to do things, lots of nice combinations that you haven't seen before. They're very cool. That'd be really good. So in, a, in a month's time, we'll um, we'll see them. Um, um, and you know, well done for putting a giant bear in there. So we could see one. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, oh, <laughs> that, that, that bear is fantastic. I think we were one of the big things we we're waiting to reveal is the fact that that bear isn't a mascot. I mean, people kind of got the the, the rumor that there was going to be a bear in there, but people always assumed it was going to be a mascot. And the fact that it's not a mascot, it, we, we were hoping it was going to get people excited, and it really has. So. That's brilliant. Well, thanks thanks for your time, Jamie. That's, that's been really interesting. Um, ho- hopefully. Um, you know, hopefully we'll, the game will grow and um, encountering as well as it can do, really. Yeah, thank you very much. Really good. Um, sorry. We are, we, it's okay, no. We are very proud of it. We're, we're very thankful for people that do play it. We've, we've had an immense amount of support thus far, and we're going to keep trying and rewarding people that support us with, with as good a game as we can possibly make. Um, what, what plans do you have for the convention at the end of the year? Anything yet? For SteamCon? Um, yeah. Quite a few, actually. So... Um, so we're, I mean, we've, we've talked about our championship plans, um, where we're going to hold the world for the first world finals there. So we're having, having, inviting over all the winners of all the championship events and we're actually paying for them to get there so that they can get there. Um, which is something that not many of the companies do. No, not many. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're also going to be holding, uh, another championship, like a big free for all championship event there for one last place to get into that invitational, but a lot of other small things going on as well. So a couple of 32 player events of the weirder formats. So we're going to be throwing out there a, uh, a sort of appendix to our organized play document this year, which is an additional document for alternative formats you can try. Um, Ooh. so eight, the eight players on a pitch at the same time. Does that work well? It, it, it works with 14 victory points, yes. Yeah. So you play to 14 victory points in 8v8, and it actually does work quite well. It's better as long as both of you have football players because it can get a bit bogged down in the middle, but it's still technically a fine game. You, it's kind of weird because what people notice once they've played it more than once is that 
it's actually slower to win by fighting. It's quicker to win by scoring goals when there's more players on the pitch. That's interesting. I thought, thought it would be a big, big sort of mob in the middle. Just a lot of violence. There is, but what you kind of notice is that um, the there's also... Well, there is, but there's more opportunities to heal as well. Ah, oh, right. Because more momentum is being generated as well as more influence being used. So it kind of it kind of balances out against itself. Whereas there's still a ball that still scores four virtue points every time it's put in the net. Um, but there's other things as well. So there's also we've also uh, got the we still haven't really got a proper name for it yet, but we still kind of code name it Speedball. There'll be events on for that and some other different formats. I'm sure there'll be uh, hobby classes and seminars from Matt and Loxon as well. Some panels going on to talk about some big things that are coming up. Uh, and we were, we're also hoping to have demo tables there for our second IP. Ooh, so, secret IP. Indeed. <laughs> Do you know where it's going to be? Do I know where it's going to be? Yes. It's, it, well, it's, we haven't, we're looking avidly for venues right now. We're trying to have it in the north of England. It's going to be towards the end of November, but until we have a venue actually booked in, we can't give you a date. I, I guess it would be sort of near, near where your base is, sort of Manchester-ish area, I guess. Yes, hopefully in the northwest. But we are, as we've done with Firestorm Games for the British Championship, we're looking for quality. So we don't just want to run it anywhere. We're looking for a place that's good to run a convention. That'd be absolutely fantastic. Hopefully, hopefully you can go to that. That'd be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, thanks for your time, Jamie. It's been much appreciated. And, Thank you. Um, and I look forward to um, to trying hammer out and um, smashing face. It'll be great. Thanks a lot. Okay. Bye bye. All right, cheers, dude. Thank you. Bye.